Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. All right, guys, it's a new week, which means a new episode of The Crimson Corner. And I'm a firm believer in that you can't really appreciate where you're going if you don't understand where you've been. And that's where one of my next guests that I'm having on this show comes in. Uh, Comes from an era that we don't maybe talk about as much anymore. Uh, It's an interesting time. Uh, My next guest was a star at American Fork High School, lettered in football, basketball, and track was a three-year starter at Utah, followed by a coaching career with the Utes, and then recently helped out with the Athletes for Life uh, camp that that just barely took place up in, at the Ute Reservation. Uh, I am talking about Steve F. Halsey. Coach, how are you? So good to have you. I'm doing you. fantastic, Michelle. Thank you so much for uh, asking me to participate. It's a great honor. Well, thank you. Um, I I guess the first question I have for you is, you know, looking back on when you played at Utah, when you coached at Utah, to what's kind of going on now with Utah football, how much have things changed since your time? I, I think a tremendous amount. I think the evolution of, uh, of football at the University of Utah has come a long way since I played. I, my last year that I played was 1973. So it certainly puts a, a perspective on my my thoughts and my ideas about Utah football. I think that Kyle Whittingham and his staff have done a tremendous job, not only in terms of preparing young men uh, for their future endeavors, but really doing a great job of finding good, really strong, ethical and moral players to be a part of that team. And I think it's an, it's an exciting process that that Kyle and Ron McBride it was certainly a big part of that process and and uh, kind of elevating the Utah football program into its current current position. But the evolution of 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 Utah football has been really, really rewarding for me being a past player and coach to watch. It, how often do you make it back to a game? Have you seen the South End Zone yet? <laughs> well, unfortunately, I just retired in uh, in January of this year. Uh, my work after football has taken me across the country. I've spent 14 years in Chicago, the last six years in Atlanta running companies, you know, a long time in Washington, D.C. Uh, and so my my ability to get back to games has been has been limited, but not my interest and not my ability to follow the use uh, over the, that period of time. So 
And now I look forward to it. Now that I'm back in Utah and living in Oakley, I'm really excited to be a part of that that experience again. Yeah, yeah, you definitely got to get out. It, I think I think your mind would be blown. Uh, <laughs> it's quite I from everything I understand, everything I know, uh, quite different uh, these mm. days. Um, you know, one of the interesting things having read your bio and the time the time frame is a little bit hard to detect um, uh-huh. at, at this point, but you were made defensive coordinator pretty early on. I was uh, I was one of the tenth youngest defensive coordinators in the country when I was named defensive coordinator, uh, which was a great honor that someone would recognize an ability or a talent. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I probably took more away from that experience than I gave. Uh, I think I was technically sound in terms of a defense coordinator and understanding defenses and understanding coverages and understanding uh, that aspect of the game, but. I, I think the piece that I might have been missing or, or and once again, I made Steve Young a, a multimillionaire because uh, he passed for 400 yards against my defense. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I really understanding the young men that I was coaching, I was almost their same age. And so it was very difficult to, to make that separation and to create that that uh, uh, separation between coach and player. And I think that that's that's one of the things I learned after getting out of coaching that that should have probably happened quicker than rather than later. There's one recent guy that uh, I think you probably could have related to Brian Johnson was named offensive coordinator. I think at like age 25, you you know, what, what was going through your mind when that announcement was made and, and how do you think things have ultimately played out for Brian? Yeah. And once again, I think, I think, Kyle made a good decision. I think he was rewarding a player that gave a tremendous amount back to the University of Utah. Uh, I always worry when it's, you know, the pressures of being that young. Like like a lot of people ask me, what was it like coaching college football? Uh, I get that question all the time in business and in the interactions that I have. And I and I tell people there's nothing like it in the whole wide world. There are three things that really stick out to me is that your job is predicated on the psyches of 18-year-olds. <laughs> that you get to show 100,000 people what you've done all week on Saturday. And then you get to read about how stupid you are on Sunday morning when you pick up the paper. So there's no other profession like it. And so if you really look at that third element, you know, really looking at and and, and being defensive on Sunday morning when you read the reviews or you read the sports pages or you hear Michelle talk about the last week's game, you know, you can become defensive. And, and my thoughts for Brian was, you know, separate yourself. It's, it's not just you. It's it's the entire team. It's the entire staff. I think Bear Bryant said it best when he said, you know, that that if we win, it's the team. If we tie, it's the coaches. And if we lose, it's me. And sometimes you can put so much pressure on the me part that everything else loses its perspective. And so I think Brian did as good a job as he possibly could have in that very first year. Uh, coming into a new situation and a new and a new uh, environment, even though he had played uh, there, and 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 it, it's a difficult separation. Well, I think it's all worked out a okay for him. Uh, it has. Starting his, his <laughs> new new job as the Eagles' offensive coordinator this year, uh-huh. so uh, very very happy for him. I think, kind of like you, probably learned a lot and and 
I, I, the interviews I've heard since kind of the same comments, you know, understanding that maybe being so close to the same age as my players wasn't the best thing possible, but uh, when, when you learn and you grow from it, good things can happen. Uh Um, You know, I think that that's part of it, Michelle. I think, I think you have to learn from the experiences Mm-hmm. And say, how does that experience change me? How does that change my life? How does that change my perspective? And how do I, how do I evolve into that next step or that next level that I want to be in? And and that's what Brian's done. I mean, Brian has taken all those experiences and developed into a, a, a tremendous offensive mind. You know, looking back on things, what what was a favorite memory of yours from either when you were playing or when you were coaching? I look back on it, Michelle, and I think every experience that I had, negative or positive, really sticks in my mind. I had an opportunity of coaching with some of the best coaches of that generation. Ron McBride, Pat Hill, who coached at Fresno, John Pease, who came back as defensive coordinator, Dave Kotolsky, who was at Stanford, John Fox, who who coached at Carolina Panthers and the and the Chicago Bears. I, I look at every one of those experiences and I, and I say, there was something I took away from everything at the U. And I, and I attribute a tremendous amount of my success uh, to that experience at the U. I, I learned a lot of different, a lot of different things through that experience, whether it was discipline or whether it was how to motivate people or whether it was leadership skills or whether it was, you know, the mental preparation that's that's so important in business as well as coaching. So I, I look at every one of those experiences and say they were all good. I, I I think that the biggest biggest memory that I have, or the ones that are are the most uh, rewarding for me, is watching the players that I coached and the success that they've had after football. Very few of them had an opportunity of playing pro football. Obviously, you met Dave Colody, who who did mm-hmm. and and won a Super Bowl, and the Jeff Reyeses and those individuals. But they've been highly successful outside the football arena, and that's because of the lessons taught on the field as well as in the classroom at the University of Utah. I I have to say, I think it was dinner the first night, and you kind of touched on this earlier. Uh, your anecdote about Steve Young cracked me up that that was kind of when you realized that coaching may be not for you anymore. Uh, <laughs> go ahead and explain that a little bit better. Well, I, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, Steve Young is a tremendous athlete and uh, is just such an incredible human being, not just a great athlete, but he's, he's incredibly intelligent. But we took a team down into uh, uh, down to BYU Stadium and Cougar Stadium and and uh, I thought well, our team was well prepared. We had some tremendous athletes in Mark Bosch and Jay Fairman and, and the Jeff Reyes of the world. And, and uh, whether it was poor preparation on my part or really not understanding the skill set of Steve Young, but for him to throw that many yards. And we had one of the best defenses in the league. I think that's one of the things, as, as I've talked to Bill Marcroft, the one thing that sticks in his mind was our defenses uh, at the U at the time that that I played and coached, and and I, I think that that was a that was quite a compliment from Bill Marcroft uh, uh, about our defenses. But uh, you know that it really put a perspective on what do I want to do with my life? Is this really something that I can I can really 
continue to do and and am I and am I adding value so Steve Young you know I made him a millionaire and he gave me tremendous business success so uh because I made the decision to get out and I've had a tremendous career and I've had a tremendous opportunity of running some of the biggest companies in the United States uh in real estate and and so I think we both contributed to each other's success <laughs> that's, I mean, that's a positive way to look at it. Um, you know, the other thing that I thought was really cool at that dinner is all the people that you talked about. Um, you brought up a couple of them there. Bill Marcroft is a youth legend. Uh, Ron McBride is a living youth legend. You brought up John Pease. Um, Bill Bill Bean was another one that you, you knew very, very well. Being. Tremendous um, human being. You know, Love I mean... Being. Talk talk about these this cast of characters at the University of Utah and specifically maybe Utah football tends to attract and bring in. I, I, it's such an unusual job at the University of Utah. You're a you're a state school, and so you have that opportunity. I think of attracting some of the best and the brightest in the industry. And if you look at the history of coaches that have come through the University of Utah. And made it big in not either the NFL, uh, but you know co other colleges that they've had an opportunity to to coach. And I think I think the ability to recruit to the University of Utah has always been an attraction for a coach because you can go anywhere in the United States and 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 walk in the door and be respected as a University of Utah coach. And that's not applicable to every university across America. So I think I think that's why we were able to attract the caliber and the quality. I mean, John Pease played. I mean, he was a, he was a, he had just graduated when I was a freshman. Mm -hmm. And so I had a great love for John. And then I had an opportunity to play, uh, to coach with him. And it was just a, a great honor. And I think people migrate back to those roots and people and, and coaches from outside the, outside the Utah environment love coaching at Utah because of the, the school and the and the academic reputation. When you walk into a home, and you talk about the University of Utah, and you talk about the medical school, medical school, and you talk about the engineering school, and you talk about the business school, and you talk about the other disciplines associated with the University of Utah, it's a tremendous advantage to a coach. And I think that's why the U has had the ability to attract such great athletes. Now, obviously, I'm having you on also partially to talk about this event that we just barely wrapped up, uh, Athletes for Life. It's something that's that's run by some of your former players. I'm wondering, you know, how how did you ultimately get involved? When when did you kind of decide to sign on to this? I've looked at it for about five years. Hank Mondaka has been doing it in other areas. He's mm -hmm. been working on with uh, with other uh, tribes across the United States and now focusing on Utah, uh, it really sparked something deep inside me saying, and, and once again, I, I think we overuse that word, give back to the community mm -hmm. or give back. I, I'm not sure I gave anything in that, in that, that clinic. I took away more, uh, from those young men than I, than I certainly contributed. And, and I think the way Hank, builds that program bringing you in that has such a you know such great visibility and and your perspective on Utah football and Utah sports and and bringing Lisa in to to help with the mental training of these athletes it's not just a football camp it's a 
building camp. It's building young minds. Very few of those individuals that we coach to have, will have an opportunity of playing college football. But the teamwork that they learned, the discipline that they learned, the ability to look at commitment in a different way uh, it gives me a big thrill. And I wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to be back on the field again now that I'm retired, out of business, and 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 feel that energy and feel... I, if you were on that field and you didn't feel the energy and the passion associated with it, uh, I would put a, a mirror under your nose to see if you were still breathing. But I, I was so ex so excited to be a part of that and be back with players that I, I tremendously respect. And to have the, the Cody Bartons and the, and the Jackson, uh, what a great honor to have current NFL players and Earl Tucker, who was a past, you know, NFL player. It, it was just a tremendous. And so I wanted to be a part of it. Uh, I, I also contributed. Uh, I would recommend anyone listening to your, your podcast contribute to these sorts of events because it changes young men's lives out there and gives them a completely different perspective on, on not just football, but life. Lisa's sessions were tremendous. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and it was just great to see that sort of interaction uh, uh, between the players some mental training, physical training, and, and looking at football. I think you brought up an interesting point, and this this was maybe the part that kind of touched me the most. Obviously, I was a lot more behind the scenes, kind of just running around, capturing things. No, you weren't. You notes. were right there in the heart of it. Are you kidding me? You were in the heart of it. <laughs> I, I just I I was not the one giving speeches <laughs> and and giving the the insight. May I, I was giving public insight to what was going on in this little small sphere. Um, but watching the native kids, I mean, you could tell day one most of them super shy, um, not a lot of confidence. Talking with some of the adults in the room, you know, that was something that they really kind of emphasized. Is it was about wanting better opportunities for them and and that this was an opportunity it's not necessarily that they're going to go on and be a big huge football star and maybe they will be um but but just seeing that there's other things out there and I think being seen and I know for me personally as a high schooler man I could have used that and, and that's ultimately how I ended up getting into sports was a former Utah football player while I was in college noticed me and said, Hey, like you've got so much more potential than what, what you're doing right now. Right. Um, and, and I feel like you guys were kind of that for those kids and day two, those kids opened up so much more. They, they were not as shy. They were not as quiet. They smiled a little bit more, you know, how important well, I think it, it was. The, I think it was more the community. I, I really was impressed with the number of of leaders mm -hmm. of the youth tribe that were there to support those young people and, and encouraging them. Though we didn't have a large number, mm -hmm. the kids that were there were highly participatory, highly involved, and were giving it everything they could. And I agree with you. The second day, they blossomed. Mm -hmm. They truly blossomed and opened up. It, I, but I mean, that that goes to the point of, you know, how important is it just to give kids opportunities. It doesn't necessarily mean that that's what they go on and they do, but just seeing what's possible. And that's, that's what I think is the key. 
like I said, very few of those individuals have the skill set or the ability to move into major college or junior college. But the things they take away from those camps, the discussions, the talk about commitment, the talk about discipline, the talk about you know creating mental health, looking at things from a different perspective, looking at teamwork. I, you know, the, those are the things that I took away that gave me a great career and let gave me. I, you know, schooling is a good part of that, mm-hmm. but that ability to understand teamwork, to understand leadership, to understand those things, that's what I, I think that camp was all about. And if it opens their eyes up to say, hey, I can do more, I can be more, I think that that's a tremendous, tremendous uh, attribute of the camp. I went back. Um, we had a couple of different locker room talks from the guys that have gone on to play, either play in the NFL or are currently playing in the NFL. And one thing that all four of them, so it was Cody Barron, Jackson Barron, Errol Tucker, and Dave Colody that mm-hmm. that kind of addressed the locker rooms and told their story a little bit. But the one thing that all four of them kind of had in common was they had some kind of adversity to get over in order to get to that high level. How important do you think it is for young people to understand? Because I think sometimes it's really easy to look at someone like that and be like, well, they're like, they don't have problems because they're just good. Um, But it's not so much that they don't have problems. It's that they've been stubborn enough to try and overcome some of those obstacles in order to get to a higher level. Um, You know, I think that that's important. And I, and I think that that's, that was exactly what Lisa was trying to portray with that mental training. Mm -hmm. But here are individuals that you look at and you say, Dave Colody, Super Bowl, San Francisco 49ers played with Joe Montana for heaven's sakes. But the guy had more injuries during his college career than, than probably anyone deserved. And, and for him to have that mental toughness, that discipline to continue to push himself and to continue to to work towards a goal, I think resonated with those individuals. You look at a Jackson Barton, who everyone would say, look at his size. He should be in the NFL. He should be playing for the Cardinals. And to look at his disciplined approach every day and to look at his wrist, that's what impressed me the most. To look at his wristbands with his children's names on there mm-hmm so that he can look and remember his children when he's not at home thinking and, 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 and playing football. All of that elevates, I think, those individuals, that mental toughness, that, that desire to be a part of something, that, that ability to overcome those obstacles and adversity is, I think, a great message. And I, and I took that away too, Michelle. I, I think that that was a tremendous message for those young men in that locker room. Uh, you kind of mentioned you sort of live in the area now. What was it like kind of getting to know your community a little bit better in 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 that sort of capacity? Uh, you mean in terms of understanding Roosevelt or? Yeah, just Roosevelt, kind of kind of the needs and, and maybe things that you want to do just as an individual that sort of lives there now. Yeah, I, uh, once again, I, I probably had the, the shortest commute into Roosevelt now yeah. that I live in Oakley, Utah. <laughs> Uh, uh, but my wife and I have always kept a house in Utah, no matter where we've lived, because okay. we've always wanted that stability. But now we live in, in Oakley, Utah, I had an opportunity of, of, of moving up here. But I, I think it's given me a new perspective. I want to be more involved. I want to give 
I hate that word give back. I want I want to take away from these young individuals and touch them in 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 a in a more personal way and show them that it's just not football. Yeah. You know, I, I I I love football and I love coaching, but there's more to life. There's more to touching people. I you know it comes down to that motivational aspect. You know, I've heard a lot of different people talk about motivation. You know that. Yeah, one person said an inspirational speech will last until your first tackle when you get hit real hard. Uh, but the real motivation in a person's life, the only way you can motivate them, whether it's in your family, whether it's in, you know, your relationships, whether it's on the football field, it's teaching people how they fit in. And if you can do that as a human being, you are a great motivator. If you can teach your family members where they fit into the family, you have less family chaos. If you can teach a football team where every player fits into that program, you're going to be highly successful. That is true motivation. And I think that's what we, what, what I would want to give back is how to really place yourself into that. And, and, and that's why I'm really excited about next year's event. Uh, I, 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 I pray that Hank calls me and asks me to come back, but, uh, uh, I, I just love that sort of interaction. And there wasn't a young man in that camp afterwards that didn't come up and say, thank you. The respect, the, the admiration, the, 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 the respect these, these kids have, I, I, you know, you, you read so many bad things about these young people. And to see it in life, to see him appreciate every moment was, was highly rewarding. And I thought it was I thought it was a great event. One of the other interesting things that I think Hank did really well with this camp and that you guys helped kind of, you know, succeed was bridge the gap between the kids on the football team, which primarily not the native kids. And and getting them to to see these these kids, these individuals that they live next door to, but maybe haven't really had any interaction with. I know Hanks told me since camp wrapped up uh, that the head coach at Union High School is very, very committed now to making sure that that part of the community feels involved with their football program and welcome with their football program. I mean, that just has to be so rewarding. But isn't that exactly what we were saying? Mm -hmm. Teach people how they fit in. And I think Coach Long will do a great job out there. I think he is highly, highly motivated to get more from, 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 from that, that demographic into his program now that he's seen that sort of interaction and the community support. And I think Coach Long will do a tremendous job out there. It'll be his first year. What an impact he can make by bringing more of those youth individuals into his program. I, I, I totally agree with your with your comment, Michelle. And then of course, I mean, we gotta talk about the community at large, our Utah community, our our University of Utah community. Obviously the nickname is derived from the tribe that lives up in in the Uinta Ore area. Mm -hmm. Uh and it's kind of an interesting situation because they're not that far away, but they're kind of tucked away. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know that there's a lot of conversations about, you know, is it appropriate to still call ourselves the Utes? Uh, you know, is, is that a nickname that needs to go away? Talking with the people up there that that is their tribe name, they take immense pride uh, that the university represents them in that way. So, I mean, with a camp like this, where you're bringing together 
former Utah athletes uh, and hopefully eventually current Utah athletes and getting them to meet the people that they're kind of representing. How important do you think that is in continuing to build the relationship and hopefully keep that relationship going into the future? I, I think it's critical, Michelle. I think that that's one way you build bridges. You build, there are, that's the only way you can break down stereotypes. That's the only way you can break down, you know, barriers is by making sure that there's a connection. And I think this is a big step towards that. As I was saying before, I was so impressed with the number of individuals from the Ute tribe that wanted to participate and, and contribute and be a part of that program. I think it speaks volumes. I, I, I would sincerely hope that we don't go away from that, uh, from that youth image for the University of Utah, because I think it's helped. Kyle's done a great job of integrating it into his programs. You know, the the halftime shows, all of those kinds of things. The the bringing bringing that sort of environment in into Salt Lake City, I think, is important. And, and taking the University of Utah out to them. Not making them come to us, but let's go out to them. Let's make the connections. Let, let's let's do the connective tissue that that creates that creates something special between those individuals. Because there wasn't a person I met out there that I didn't greatly respect after. That wasn't thoughtful. That wasn't you know respectful. I mean, it was just it was a wonderful experience. And like I said, I didn't contribute. I, I, I feel like I took away much more than I than I had an opportunity of contributing uh, out there. And, and, and it's given me a completely different perspective. Well, Steve, I really, again, appreciate you taking the time to talk about playing, coaching, doing this Athletes for Life camp. Uh, it was really a true honor and pleasure getting to spend a couple of days with you and getting to know you and your story and and watch you make a difference. You're, you're the one that's making the difference, Michelle. You're the one that's really getting out there and touching much more than just the few people that, that I could touch or that Hank Mondaka can touch. The, the messaging that you create, your involvement in the camp, you were all over that field, uh, whether it was watching or whether it was recording or whether it was asking questions those kinds of things go a long way when they can see that people are interested in what what's taking place and i, I give a tremendous amount of uh of accolades and, and praise to you and what you're what you're doing for the ute nation and what you're doing for the university of utah it it, it pays off and it's greatly greatly appreciated oh my goodness Thank you so much. I, I appreciate that. Um, okay, well, guys, that will do it for this episode of The Crimson Corner. You've been listening to Steve F. Halsey and myself, Michelle Bodkin, your Utah Youth Insider for KSL Sports. Until next time, and as always, go Utes. stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. 
The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.